Welcome to the Experience Christian Church Message Podcast. We are a church startup based out of Exton, Pennsylvania, committed to giving the community a fresh start with God and with church. Our mission is to help people experience God's love in a practical way. We would love to connect with you. Would you text ECC info to 94000 or go to our website, experiencecc.org for more information and to learn how you can be a part of our community. Enjoy today's message. Hello, Experienced Christian Church. It's Nathan again. Good to be with you as we continue forward in the series called Empowered. Uh, We're speaking about a life empowered by, filled up by, guided by God's Holy Spirit. And we're working out of this text in Galatians chapter 5, which says, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And today's topic is the aspect of gentleness. Uh, I'm going to start by saying something pretty obvious. We live in a very violent and aggressive world. Uh, Guns, wars, assaults, murders. We sometimes, or at least speaking for myself, I can sometimes almost grow numb to the stories until they hit close to home. Uh, It's just everywhere, violence and aggression. Uh, It's not just that stuff, though, the stuff you see in the news, just the general uh, level of anger in everyday life. The people around us, the world around us, it seems to be increasing. Um, Lots of reasons, factors. Politics is off the rails. Social media uh, stokes it up and makes us more angry in a lot of ways, I think, sometimes. Um, Some ways, it's interesting to me, some ways we'd like to, we'd love to talk about it ad nauseum. Gun control, gun laws, wherever you land on, on all that, we talk about it, right? But then in other things, we just don't even address it. Like, I think a lot about video games and the culture that sort of celebrates uh, kill shots and, and trick kill shots in, in Call of Duty or, uh, you know, we got Fortnite and it's like super violent, but all these little young kids play it and it's like, it's okay because they wear bright colors and they do funny dances. It's just, I'm confused by some of the ways we do and don't engage with the violence around us. But anyway, uh, we could argue and talk about all this and we could probably make a good point saying that in many ways the world is less violent than it has been in the past. I think we could also make a good point saying the opposite. Uh, in many ways, it's more violent and aggressive uh, than, it, than it ever has been. In a lot of ways these days, I feel like the aggression has gone underground a little bit. It's, it's, there's a lot of passive aggressive uh, violence. And in some ways, I think that is even more dangerous than the more overt stuff in a lot of ways. So uh, that's our culture. But forget that for a minute. I can understand violence and aggression uh, aside from all that when I look in the mirror. Um, As Alexander Solzhenitsyn famously said, if only there were evil people somewhere insidiously committing evil deeds and it were just necessary to separate them from the rest of us and destroy them. But the line dividing good and evil cuts through the heart of every human being. There are these lines from uh, the beginning of a song uh, by David Ramirez that, that hit me each time I hear him. He says, I ain't never been hunting, but with the way I love, it should count. They should charge me all the fees and charge me for the hearts that I've taken out. I ain't never used a rifle, 
All I need are the words of my mouth. They burn deeper than a bullet. Uh, I've never shot anyone, but I've done some violence with the words of my mouth, for sure. I've come a long way. Some days I feel like I'm getting it, and then my neighbor ticks me off again, and I realize I still have a long way to go. I long to live a life filled with the fruit of the Spirit, but how? How do I create that kind of soil in my life? I thought about the famous image uh, from Banksy, the famous graffiti artist. Maybe his most well-known image is called Rage the Flower Thrower. Uh, it's this person who looks like they're at a riot. I think it grew out of uh, situations in the Middle East. And instead of a rock or a Molotov cocktail, he's placed a bouquet of flowers. And I think this work of art calls forth the same question that we're asking today. What does it mean to be gentle people in a violent world? You know, the Greek word translated gentleness in Galatians 5.23 is prautes, and it means gentle, meek, mild, modest, or humble. It occurs several other times in the New Testament. Uh, one of those times I'm reminded of is when Jesus and his list known as the Beatitudes, these countercultural and um, somewhat counterintuitive values that he talks about in Matthew chapter 5. He says, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. And we hear that and we go, huh? Like, I don't see the meek inheriting anything around me. I see them getting crushed, right? I see them losing. Meek to us sounds like weak. Uh, gentle, gentleness makes us think frail, uh, vulnerable. Uh, and these we've been taught, they're bad things. They're losing propositions. But the biblical word that we're dealing with here is actually so much more than that. Praotes literally means something more like strength with a gentle touch, power with some degree of restraint, strength under control, power infused with love. And this is the gentleness that we're talking about that is evidence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. There's a man named St. Francis de Sales who was the Bishop of Geneva about 400 years ago. And he became known for his deep faith and for his gentle approach at a time of great division, religious division stemming out of the Protestant Reformation. And he said it this way, I love this. He says, nothing is so strong as gentleness, nothing so gentle as real strength. And I just think this is a truth that we have to recover uh, in this incredibly divisive time in which we live. You know, just a few verses after this, we've been in Galatians 5 all these weeks. Right uh, after that, at the beginning of Galatians chapter 6, which is the last part of the letter, uh, Paul writes this. He says, Brothers and sisters, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual, and that's not some special select group, that's those of us who've been given the Holy Spirit, who are trying to live guided by the Holy Spirit. You who are spiritual should restore him or her in a spirit of gentleness. Same word. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. I want to point out a couple things there. One, like I said, that's the same word for gentleness. Uh, and please always pay attention when you see words repeated. In scripture and two, the word restore there uh, it's a actually a fisherman's term probably borrowed by Paul from Peter 
and it means to mend the nets. More broadly, just to mend what has been damaged, uh, to bring uh, something back together, to keep it tight, to keep it together so that nothing and no one would fall through. Biblical gentleness is about keeping us from giving way to the constant temptations we have to react, to retaliate, to seek revenge, to crush our enemies, to be further and further divided and alienated, and instead to live guided by God's Spirit, to be people who mend, who heal, who restore, and who hold together. You know, sometimes uh, when preaching, a message will seem to lean a little bit more toward one gender or the other. And this one, I feel like it's a little bit more uh, for the men. Um, It's a little bit of a generalization, but on the whole, I feel like gentleness comes more naturally to the female gender a lot of times. Maybe I'm wrong, and I do believe it's really true nowadays. I see a lot of these same uh, behaviors being encouraged and nurtured in women. Aggressiveness, uh, powering up. Um, you know, women uh, in ways that only men were in the past being encouraged to be tough, strong, ruthless, aggressive. And for right or wrong, we could go off on a, a great debate about all that. Uh, we won't right now. But for me, I, I was just thinking about how I've had so many wonderful examples throughout my life of gentleness from women. Um, so many I could name. But it's interesting, as I was reflecting and praying about this message the examples that were really coming to my mind were all men. Perhaps I think because when when found there, it's it's even it's even more stark. It's a little bit unexpected and refreshing, uh, and teaches us something. I thought about my dad, my dad and his two brothers actually, my uncle Bert and my uncle Bill. My dad is a God's guy. He's a manly man, and all that, and yet he's always been a gentle soul. And he taught me better than I learned uh, about what real strength looks like. And, you know, all three of these men, the McDade guys, they um, they each had a really big impact on my life in different ways. And each of them in their way showed me how to not only how to be a gentleman, uh, how to treat a lady, how to be a good neighbor, but also how to be a gentle man. And the this is the truth that the, that is not in contrast to a lot of other messages that I received growing up some kind of contradiction, that it's, it holds together to be a gentle man. I thought of, uh, also immediately, of a guy named Brennan Manning, an author, a pastor, an alcoholic. Um, I heard him speak in college and began to read some of his books, and he loves to talk a lot about the tenderness of God, and we can see that as a synonym here for the gentleness that we're talking about. If you have never read Abba's Child, or the Ragamuffin Gospel by Brennan Manning. I cannot recommend them highly enough on this topic. In fact, as interesting as I was reading a little more about uh, Brennan Manning's history, I learned the very first book he ever wrote was actually entitled Gentle Revolutionaries. I didn't know that. Listen to this quote. He said, Live in the wisdom of accepted tenderness. Tenderness awakens within the security of knowing We are thoroughly and sincerely liked by someone. Scripture suggests that the essence of the divine nature is compassion and that the heart of God is defined by tenderness. You know, someone else I thought of immediately on this topic was a man named Henry Nouwen. He was a Dutch 
Roman Catholic priest. Uh, he gives us the concept of the wounded healer and something, uh, another concept that has really impacted me a lot in recent years, the concept of downward mobility. Listen to this quote by him. He says, once in a while we meet a gentle person. Gentleness is a virtue hard to find in a society that admires toughness and roughness. We are encouraged to get things done and get them done fast. Even when people get hurt in the process, success, accomplishment, and productivity count, but the cost is high. There is no place for gentleness in such a milieu. And let me just interject, the most tragic thing is when this is true within the church. Back to the words of now, and he says, gentle is the one who does not break the crushed reed or snuff the faltering wick. Those are Jesus' words from Matthew 12. Gentle is the one who is attentive to the strengths and weaknesses of the other and enjoys being together more than accomplishing something. A gentle person treads lightly, listens carefully, looks tenderly, and touches with reverence. A gentle person knows that true growth requires nurture, not force. Let's dress ourselves with gentleness, he says. In our tough and often unbending world, our gentleness can be a vivid reminder of the presence of God among us. Another person that immediately came to mind for me was Fred Rogers, Mr. Rogers. You know, I grew up on He-Man, G.I. Joe, cop shows, cowboy movies, war movies. And I thank God that I also grew up on Mr. Rogers. If you've not yet seen Won't You Be My Neighbor, the 2018 documentary and A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, the 2019 uh, Tom Hanks film, please do. And I, it's actually a commitment of mine to watch those, uh, those two at least uh, once every year. Uh, just such an amazing real example of gentleness in this world. And P.S., if you got little kids, Mr. Rogers' teachings live on in Daniel Tiger's neighborhood, which we also love in our family. And of course, the greatest example, the one behind uh, and inspiring all these others that I've mentioned is Jesus. And I'm just gonna read a longer section here from the book we've been referencing a lot in this series, Life on the Vine by Dr. Phil Kinnison. He says it uh, better than I ever could. Listen to this. The God who is revealed in Jesus Christ is not weak, even if that God does not exercise power the way we tend to. God reveals the divine character most clearly in Jesus Christ, whose life is characterized not by the exercise of brute force, power, coercion, but by self-sacrificing love. For those of us accustomed to thinking of God as the power guy, this may be the most surprising feature of the God we encounter in Christ. When John, in the book of Revelation, looks for the conquering lion who can open the scroll and its seven seals, he instead sees a lamb. The lion is the lamb, and the way of the lamb is the way of the cross. Yet such surprises are not limited to the closing chapters of the Christian story. When we look for a king born of royalty, we find instead a baby wrapped in strips of cloth lying in a manger born to a peasant girl of no account. When Jesus' time has come to begin his ministry and we look for him to put John the baptizer in his place, we find instead a Jesus who humbly approaches John in order to be baptized by him. When we look to Jesus to take the world by storm and to win over those who have power, influence, and prestige in order to advance his kingdom more efficiently, we find instead 
an itinerant preacher and healer who spends much of his time with the weak and outcast of society, children, lepers, prostitutes, and tax collectors. When we see Jesus rejected by the Samaritans, we look for him to do what his disciples wanted done, to rain down fire upon them, but instead he rebukes us. When we look for the conquering hero to make his move, to enter the royal city on his white charger, to signal to the people that the time has come to establish his kingdom, we find instead a Jesus who enters into Jerusalem astride a humble donkey. When we gather with him for the last time in that upper room, expecting to get our marching orders and to honor him by pledging our allegiance to him, we find instead that he honors us by washing our feet and calling us his friends. When Jesus is arrested and taken before the authorities, we look for him to set those authorities straight, to proclaim proudly and defiantly that he's God's anointed one. And instead we find him strangely silent, showing no need to justify himself. When we look for a deliverer who will crush the opposition by superior force, we find instead a servant Messiah who allows himself to be crushed and bruised for us. What kind of God is this? We are often tempted to think these details as little more than the frame around the picture we call Jesus' life. The picture itself, not the frame, is what is important, we tell ourselves. And because we assume that God is mostly about power and control, we construct a picture of Jesus out of those parts of the narrative that fit our assumptions. The miracles, the stinging rebukes of the religious authorities, the triumphant resurrection. Yet what if the surprising details mentioned above are not part of the frame, but integral to the picture itself? What if these details reveal something about the very character of God? Continuing with some of the wisdom from Dr. Kennison I'm just going to offer a few uh, challenges, applications, thoughts for you to, to work on, to take out of this. First, he says, one thing we can do is reflect on the lives of those people you know, whom you regard as gentle and humble. As I've had the opportunity to do preparing for this, if you don't have any, if you can't think of anyone in your life like that, one, I'm so sorry. Um, and two, uh, borrow some of mine. Some of the ones I listed, read those books, and, and please start with Jesus. He is available uh, to all of us. Next, uh, Dr. Kennison says, begin now to make a habit of praying for people who misunderstand, disappoint, irritate, and attack you. This is not easy. But I'm telling you, it is one of the most game-changing things you can do in your life is to pray for your enemies. Here's another one. Reflect on your posture, your habitual posture for prayer. Um, and basically the point here is consider kneeling. Consider even in your body um, bringing some gentleness and some humility into the act of prayer. Another one he says is devote some time to evaluating the stories that shape your imagination. Movies, TV, books, all, what stories are shaping us? And do any of these offer examples of gentleness and meekness? How often do we tell each other stories where conflicts are resolved by some means other than violent ones? Ref uh, another one here. Reflect on those times when you've been 
in charge? In what ways were you tempted to lord it over others? Uh, Why do you think you were tempted to act that way? Look carefully around you for examples of servant leadership that you can learn from and, and imitate and model. Don't get discouraged if such people are hard to find. Remember that true servant leaders are often difficult to spot because they're not attempting to draw attention to themselves. Here's another one. Devote some time to reflecting on the people you choose to hang out with and your reasons for doing so. One more here. Set aside some time to think seriously about the notion of ambition. In cultures like ours, where ambition is widely regarded as a highly desirable virtue, Christians need to ask whether those who follow Jesus should regard ambition as a desirable character trait. Uh, Can Christians be ambitious in our society without succumbing to the world's skewed notions of success, advancement, and status? I don't offer an answer to that, but it's an important question. And I think uh, Nowen's concept of downward mobility is really helpful as we think about that. In closing, I just want to share a couple of recent stories uh, that have really helped me to understand the gentleness of God. First, I'm going to tell you about, we'll call him Sam. Uh, I work as a chaplain, hospital chaplain, and also I'm doing some corporate chaplaincy. And one of the places I serve is a big time second chance employer. There's tons of people there uh, who have been in the system, who have been or are dealing with addiction issues. And I uh, met this guy named Sam, just the most quiet, humble, kind guy, but he'd been in prison. Um, according to him, he was wrongfully imprisoned, wrongfully accused. Uh, I have no reason not to believe him, but um, he was in there and he, Sam was a martial arts expert in like multiple disciplines, super accomplished as a fighter. Uh, And so in prison, uh, this became known. People didn't mess with him once they knew, once they understood. Uh, And Sam was actually a presence for Christ in that place. And he told these great stories of the ways he was ministering to his fellow inmates. Um, But people would often hear about his his fighting skills and want to challenge him, right? And want to defeat him and prove themselves against him. And he'd have to fight him and he would win. Um, And one time a new guy showed up and this guy was huge. Imagine just the biggest, strongest, most muscular person you can imagine. Uh, Scary, scary looking guy, right? And he comes in and says um, that he's just basically starts declaring he's gonna establish himself as the the guy to beat, right? Uh, And so, one of Sam's friends says, how are you going to handle this guy? And Sam said he was scared and he, he didn't know, even with all his skills, if he was going to be able to defeat this guy. Um, so he had an idea and they decided to try something. And what they did, Sam and the other Christians there in the cell block combined uh, some of their commissary items and they gave this new guy a gift basket, a welcome basket. And... Uh, wouldn't you know it, uh, it brought him to tears. And all of a sudden, this act of gentleness um, disarmed this big guy who didn't really want to be fighting either, right? He was just doing what he thought he had to do. And instead of using violence, they used kindness and gentleness. And it was a game changer for all of them. Amazing story, and Sam tells it better than I do. Here's another story from my friend Amanda. Uh, Picture this, 25 years ago, high school softball game. 
young white girl at the plate, that's Amanda. Big, older, black man, well-respected coach, that's Coach Sweat. Both in their green and gold team colors, and they're, they're crushing the other team. So Coach Sweat has instructed his girls, uh, only swing after two strikes and only take one base. So what does Amanda do? She swings after one strike and she takes two bases. And then standing on second, she begins to hear it from Coach Sweat. And he does not stop letting her know about what she has done. He's giving it to her for, constantly. She's standing on second. Someone else gets on base. Uh, he, she continues to hear it from Coach Sweat. Another, she advances to third. She's still hearing it from Coach Sweat now right in her ear. And then as she gets, then she, as she gets uh, sent home, he follows her down the baseline, continuing to yell and tell her about why, what it means that she has disobeyed his orders and, and, and done this, this uh, rude and disrespectful thing to the other team. And then even after she touches home, walking, he walks her all the way to the dugout in her ear the whole time. And then right before they get to the dugout, she said, Coach Sweat uh, lowered his voice. He got down on her level and he looked her in the eye and he said, Amanda, you need to know something. Just because you can does not mean that you should. And she said that is a lesson she has never forgotten. And she's passed it on to her own kids and to all the children she's taught in school and all the people she's ministered to and to me last week. Uh, and it was such an amazing reminder to me about gentleness. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. Thank God that just because God can, uh, God doesn't always choose to punish uh, us in the ways that we deserve. You know, a gift basket instead of a beat down. That's the grace and the gentleness of God. Strength with a gentle touch, power with restraint, strength under control, power aligned with love, gentleness, and the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Join me if you would in a closing prayer, which I've adapted from a quote on gentleness by pastor and author uh, Max Lucado. Let's pray. Almighty God, help us to continually choose gentleness. Remind us again and again that nothing is truly won by force. Help us to choose to be gentle. If we raise our voices, may it be only in praise. If we clench our fists, may it be only in prayer. If we make a demand, may it be only of ourselves. God may experience Christian church and each subset of it be known for gentleness, meekness, humility, strength with self-control, power with love. God, thank you for being gentle with us. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us. We hope something you heard today will draw you closer to God and encourage you to know Him better. If you found this message podcast helpful, please subscribe, write a review, and consider sharing it with someone else. If there is anything we can do for you, a question we could talk through with you, a prayer we could say on your behalf, or a need you have, please don't hesitate to let us know. We are better together. Please connect with us soon. Take care.